0: everyone you're listening to the health and well-being podcast I'm Alison Mitchell a practicing naturopath and you can find me on naturopathnsw.com.au these podcasts will feature discussions on various health conditions health tips and nutrition from a naturopathic perspective sometimes it's just me sometimes I'm interviewing guests all the time I hope to share with you information on health and well-being with the aim to empower and educate Please remember that all information is general and not a specific recommendation that replaces consulting with a practitioner. Please talk to your healthcare practitioner before undertaking any changes to your treatment regime. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us again today. So I'm joined with Laura Burton from Burton Health, and today we're gonna be talking about a naturopath's approach to diet. So we're gonna be talking about some of our key philosophies of food and nutrition that we usually talk about with our patients, and also ones that we follow ourselves. So how you been doing, Laura?
1: Pretty good, thank you. I'm feeling uh, like my diet's quite on track at the moment, which is nice. Oh, <laughs> <Well>, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I just certainly go up and down myself, so it, I always feel good when I'm like right in, into my naturopathic diet and feeling in control.
0: Yeah, I, and I think that's a good point to make is that everyone does have up and downs. Like, just because we're naturopaths doesn't mean that we're perfect. Absolutely. So we can empathise when patients come in and they say, yeah, I've fallen off the bandwagon this week. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And one of the, the things we'll say just before we get started as well is that Laura and I are talking as a representative for all naturopaths because all naturopaths do have slightly different diet philosophies as do all health practitioners about a lot of things. Um, so um if you if you do see another naturopath and they see something different to us then yeah don't say we didn't warn you you've got to work out what works for you i think i think yeah
1: yeah your naturopath can be your guide and they can help you and i mean you know if you're in consultation with a naturopath naturopath they will figure out what's right for you they'll help you to figure out what's right for you so it's not a, it's not a one size fits all approach i guess
0: Exactly. And and that's some of the things as well that we try to do is work out what works for you as an individual and help, you guide, help guide you to that. So like we've worked out what works for us personally for our own personal diets, but that doesn't mean we would recommend the same thing for our patients or for other people that we might be talking to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, so, there's so many diets out there so, oh. and there's so many different just nutritional recommendations and things like that and one of the things that I find frustrates me a lot is that there's a lot of anger about people who don't follow your own diet philosophy so like for instance if you're um, a paleo Um, follower then you might be really angry at dietitians and vice versa or like a a vegetarian might be angry at people who aren't vegetarians and there might be people who are following like the the low-fat vegan diet that get kind of um, up in arms as well for people who aren't just following the same philosophy as that and for me it just comes back to well maybe that didn't work for them and just because it works for you doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone else yeah for
1: sure, and I think you know a big problem with a lot of the fad diets is that they are fads, and that it's a uh, an all-or-nothing approach, and that it does become quite fanatical often for people, and that frightens me. When, yeah, yeah, it becomes almost like an eating disorder sometimes. <laughs> you know, there's nothing, it's good to be healthy, but yeah. you've got to be able to, um, I don't know, be flexible. It can't become a problem. You know? it can't become yeah.
0: So so the eighty twenty rule, for instance, is a good sort of thing that I, I like to recommend because then you've got 80%, 80% for your body and 20% for your soul. And that's sort of along the lines of what you were saying with the flexible eating. Yeah. Um, I was
1: thinking about this this morning, actually, and I was thinking at the moment, I'm definitely doing more healthy. Like I'm not, I'm not doing 80% super healthy and 20% not healthy. I'm more like, you know, 99% super healthy and there's a tiny bit of treats coming in. Um, so then I was like, okay, I was wondering how does this 80, 20 will work for me? And I thought it's just about, it doesn't even have to be 80%, 20%. It's just that name takes the pressure off. It says, yeah. okay, I want a glass of wine. Okay. I want a piece of chocolate. I want a hot chip. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a it's a guideline and it's a yeah. it's a per- permission to have what you want sometimes, but not all of the time. So or it's, not even what you want. That that's the wrong. Like that's the wrong. What you want should be the healthy food, and healthy food is delicious. Yeah, that's right. It's you can deviate and sometimes have something that you know is for your soul, not for your health.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, it doesn't have to be specifically 80-20 in terms of the percentages that you work out and, and map out and say, all right, well, that's how much I've had this week. Um, it's just knowing that a little bit isn't going to be an issue. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: And it's doing things, you know, other things for your soul as well. It's not, you know, it doesn't just have to be diet related and it doesn't mm-hmm. have a real problem with this whole eating really well through the week and then having a binge day or whatever they call it on the
0: weekend, like that's, that's yeah, not the 80-20 That's, 20 that's not 20 than that. We're yeah. talking about 80-20 as in if we were to actually be more specific, it would be like um, 20% of a meal. Yeah. So, like, it would be a healthy entree and a healthy main course and then a treat dessert. Yeah. Um, But then you've had a healthy breakfast and lunch that day.
1: Yeah, perfect. That's a very good way of, of putting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not about deprivation. I think that's my problem with these free days that then it's almost like saying, well, through the eight week, you're not enjoying what you're eating, you're not enjoying your lifestyle, mm-hmm. but you'll make up for it on the weekend. And yeah. that's not right. It's, you know, you, you should be enjoying what you eat all of the time and it's possible to eat a healthy diet and enjoy it.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I think so much of that is just educating yourself on how to cook and how to prepare food for yourself, because if you're relying on um, packaged healthy foods and things like that, you're probably not gonna enjoy that so much, Mm -hmm. and I think that um, the more you're comfortable with cooking, the more you're going to enjoy it, and if you feel that cooking is a burden, then that's gonna put a a stress on yourself as well. So when people do start to get into the healthy eating and they're, they're not really comfortable with cooking, then that can be a stressful experience for them, and then they associate that with the healthy eating as being bad, um, yeah. and then the more confident you are, the more you can experiment with food and make food taste awesome.
1: Yeah, because yeah, if you're trying to eat healthy and you're just having a piece of grilled chicken and some lettuce leaves, that's I wouldn't be enjoying that.
0: No, that'd be boring. <laughs> yeah. Although, yeah. Like, there are definitely there are people out there who would describe themselves as being plain eaters and they enjoy that. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> that, that makes exactly. life easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas I I like I I like to use lots of spices and herbs and lots of flavors and things like that and lots of variety in my food personally.
1: Yeah, yeah. and that's another thing um with you know eating healthy is the variety, trying to you know incorporate a lot of different mm. foods so that we don't build up an intolerance to one particular food or so we don't get bored because you eat the same thing every day for three weeks you're probably not going to want to eat it again and then you might go back to eating cocoa pops for breakfast instead of eating a chia pudding for breakfast. So variety is very important.
0: Another really important point that we often talk about with our patients and um, we personally have the the philosophy of with our eating as well is whole foods. So how would you actually describe whole foods, Laura?
1: I'd describe them as the way they come from nature. So bread is not a whole food because it's made in the factory. Um, yes. a factory. An apple is a whole food because it grows on the tree, you pick it and you eat it. Yep. So that's the, probably the simplest way to think of it, food that, just, that, that is how it is born. <laughs> yeah,
0: you could actually look at it and recognise it. Yeah. So for so. instance brown rice. Um, you can tell spelt and farro and things like that when you buy them whole and you cook them up like you would rice. That's a whole food because yeah. you can actually recognise it. Whereas bread, you would you wouldn't be able to look at that and see what it's been made from. Yeah. But then 20%, like you could you can have a little bit here and there. But what you want your 80% to be made from is whole foods.
1: Yes real food
0: yeah and then the benefit of that is that you're getting the entire nutrient profile so when they do do a lot of these processing for instance with grains um, they're taking away the outer hull which contains a lot of the minerals and what you're left with is the starchy inside so that makes beautiful fluffy bread but not very good for you Mm. So, And then they're also taking out the germ a lot of the time as well, which is where you get all your vitamin E and other sorts of um, fat-soluble nutrients and, and antioxidants from as well. So if you do have things as close as they are to nature, then obviously you're going to get a lot more nutrient from it. And it's going to be a lot more filling for you too because if you're getting the whole grain, then you have to do a lot more chewing in order to digest it and actually swallow it. So then the more you chew your food, the more full you will be. And the other benefit is that um, you will be eating less overall. Yeah, and yeah, you just
1: feel so much more satisfied. Yeah.
0: So avoiding processed foods generally. Is, is a good idea I think that in in our modern day we have come to rely on processed foods so much more because it is something that is easy and it's convenient and they get marketed and, and labeled as being very pretty and um, very sometimes they get marketed as being good for you as well for, for instance they found that like if they put something in a green package then you're more likely to think that it's healthy for you
1: <laughs> even yeah.
0: if, you, if you looked at the ingredients it would be and so they can put on um, names saying low fat or healthy or whole or or something like that or even calling it organic when it may not necessarily be organic is something that can um, really lead us into eating crap (laughs) stuff.
1: Yeah. I just remembered that uh, when I was younger, I used to work at Target and this is when I was studying and one of my work colleagues offered me a pretzel and I said, oh, no, thank you. And she goes, oh, why? They're good for you. And I looked at her and I said, "How are they good for you?" She was like, "Oh, well, there's there's no fat, there's no this, there's no that." And I was like, "Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's good for you. It might not be bad for you, but it's not. It doesn't mean it's good for you." So that's just that's an example of being trapped by marketing by mm. seeing you know no this, no that, no sugar, blah 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 doesn't mean it's good for you.
0: It, yeah, you know, exactly. So what's good for you is is things that have got a lot of nutrient dense um, properties in them that have got um, a variety of nutrients as well yeah I mean some sometimes processed food can be helpful Um, so for instance I've been reading a lot about like breastfeeding and researching different types of formula recently and so when before um, the factory made formula came in there was so much infant death because people were trying to feed um these babies on just plain animal milk or they would be um, making like a gruel out of um grains and water, um, unless they had a wet nurse, in which case that was the, the best situation. But um, what I'm saying is that like we've got infant formula as a prime example of how a processed food could be a life-saving situation and, and really beneficial. And then I also thought the other situation where processed food could be really handy is if we have, go into a zombie apocalypse, because I do think <laughs> about this situation often, because Aww. I'm a bad, massive nerd, <laughs> and, I, and I play too many video <laughs> games, and... That's the food that survives. The tins that will be on the shelves for 10 years and you can still eat the food inside it. Yeah, we could raid a McDonald's factory and all (laughs) the food would be exactly as it is today. Score, (laughs) surviving the apocalypse. Yeah, I'm glad that you've got this planned out. I know whose house I'll be coming to if there's an apocalypse. Well, the thing is, is that I probably won't have, I will have to go out scavenging. Yeah, yeah, um, but you won't have it all in your cupboard. No, I'll have to go and scavenge the processed food, but at least I'll have all the vitamins that we can take to replace what the True. processed food depletes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, how do you feel about fruit?
1: I feel good about fruit. Yeah. Um, I feel that fruit. I'm a bit anti fruit juice. You know, there's. It's not that it's something I would never touch, but I don't we don't buy fruit juice i mean occasionally if i i don't really like it or i don't feel like i want to drink it i might buy it for my partner sometimes but but i feel like fruit should be had in its whole form like what we were saying about whole foods and you've got the fiber and you've got everything that you need in that piece of fruit as soon as you juice it you lose the fiber and you're just drinking a sugary drink so you might get some vitamins in there but why not just eat the orange rather than juice the orange so I'm pro fruit, Uh, and again, a nice variety of fruits to make sure you get all of your different needs from the fruits. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm not really into fruit juice. Uh, But you know, poached pears in winter, awesome.
0: Mm, (laughs) Yummy. I just (laughs) stewed some rhubarb with some strawberries. Oh, nice. Yeah, Yum. for my breakfast. <laughs> mm. No, I'm, I'm the same philosophy. I don't think that a lot of fruit juice is a great thing for you, but having pieces of fruit is fine to do, particularly if, if you enjoy it. I mean, not everyone prefers fruit. Like I personally much prefer to eat vegetables than I do to eat, have a piece of fruit. But I don't think that we need to be afraid of fruit because of the sugar content in it. Um it's, it's more so when it gets processed into the juice that, that that's an issue. Um, and depend But it depends on the person. So, for instance, if you have uh, difficulty processing a lot of sugar, then you may actually find that you don't want to go over three pieces, two to three pieces of fruit a day. But that's what the recommendations are anyway, two pieces of fruit.
1: Yeah, I don't know how you could really go. I, I couldn't go over that. Mm. I think. Yeah, it would just be, you know, I yeah, I've, will often have a banana for with my breakfast and then I might have an apple uh, later on in the day and, you know, then there might be fruit incorporated in, say, my chia pudding or some strawberries somewhere. But, yeah, I don't know how – I couldn't eat six pieces of fruit a day. I just don't know how where it would fit in.
0: No. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> either, particularly because I'm personally not much of a snacker. Mm-hmm. Not that I think snacking is bad, I just – I just don't have that appetite for it, so I think that um, fruit is good for snacks if that's what you want to do.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah, and that's when you said don't be scared of the sugar. It just got me thinking of other, you know, whole foods or real foods where people worry about that. And sometimes I think that we worry about the wrong things. So worrying about the sugar in in a piece of fruit rather than worrying about the sugary cereal you had for breakfast. Or the other day I suggested to someone to eat nuts for a snack and they were worried about the calories and the nuts. Mm. Uh, however, they had a massive sweet tooth and would eat um, chocolate bars all the time. So we have to worry about the right things. I don't think you need to worry about the, like eating nuts, like snack on some nuts. Your body will tell you when you've had enough.
0: Yep. Mm. Yeah, exactly. exactly. If you're eating whole foods, then it's very difficult to overeat. On that because you've got you've got to chew them you've got to um, digest all that fiber that's in them as well and if you're having f- foods with good quality fat in it then it's going to sat- give you that satiety yep. as well so it's actually really really difficult to overeat whole foods whereas if you um, had a packet of chips in front of you or um, a few like little dinner rolls it's so easy to go crazy with the calories with that yeah you can just mindlessly eat it
1: yeah, we eat for 20 minutes, have a little rest, and then start eating again.
0: Yeah. And then all of a sudden, your calories are like um, tripled for the day. Yeah. On or that. A glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On that note, I, I don't really generally recommend counting calories mm-hmm. unless you're just getting into um, like correcting your eating habits, and then you want to actually sort of see where you're at uh, because a lot of people under or overeat and aren't aware of it. So if you're eating, if you're eating whole foods, and it's really hard to actually keep track of that because it doesn't come with a label that doesn't actually say contains this amount of calories per package, and so you do have to be governed by how you feel. But if you're using um, a lot of packaged foods, and you can count those calories to to the single digit, and you might be able to recognise where you should be. But then I do I do honestly think that a lot of the time, when um, you see these diets that are recommending people to go for um, 1,200 calories a day, and and that sort of um, amount that's not sustainable and it's I don't think it's good for you to do mm-hmm. either because you you can't possibly get in the nutrients that you need with that amount and you can't be full and after a long period of time then your metabolism will dramatically slow down
1: yeah and it, it um It encourages people to just worry about the calories and eat whatever they want that fit into those calories. And like Mm. you said, then you're not getting the nutrients you need. You're better off just
0: eating the real foods and away you go. Yeah. So one of our philosophies is, is to eat for health rather than eat for being skinny and I think that if you can eat for your health then your weight will sort itself out in the long term because if you get your hormones right by getting in all the nutrients that you need then that's going to be really helpful for you and so when you're thinking about um, when, when I see these diets out there for instance like that the, they, they count their macros um, so I've had this amount of protein and this amount of carbs and look it gives them results but me with my naturopathic head, I think, yeah, but what about all the micronutrients and all the other stuff that's in there as well? For mm. instance, like all your, all your fat-soluble vitamins, if you're cutting out all your um, sources of fat, like you're going for an egg white omelette and that sort of thing, then you're not going to be getting any vitamin K2 or your vitamin A and D and that sort of thing as well, So, which you do need for healthy hormones and a healthy gut. So it's going to mean that as soon as you stop that diet, the weight's just going to come back on. Yeah, and
1: if you're and if you're um, you know malnourished, you may be eating, but you're malnourished because you're not getting the nutrients that you need from your foods Mm. because you're eating the same food all the time or you're not eating enough of the right foods. Your body is going to keep on getting your appetite, your hunger signal going because it's trying to get you to get the nutrients that you need. So yeah, that's exactly. another thing that's going to make you gain weight because your your body's craving, it's asking you for the nutrients that you need, but you're not giving them to it. So it's going to keep on saying, "Hey, we need to eat more food." Mm. And you never you're never going to reach your
0: goals. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just about carbs, it's not just about protein, it's not just about fats. Um, and it's not even just about vitamins and minerals. I mean, Until the 1930s, we didn't even know vitamin C existed. And so before then, we would just be talking about um, the macronutrients in the the nutrition world. And now we've got a lot more information. Like recently, we've um, had a lot more information being brought out about vitamin K2, which is really important for heart health and for bone health and for actually getting calcium to where it needs to be. And so we get that from um, pasture-fed Um, dairy products and and organ meats and um, fermented soybeans in the form of natto Um, but that's something that we didn't know about until recently so just being so um, blinkered in our approach to diet means that there's all these other things that we may be missing out on if we're just um, concentrating on ticking the boxes and it's ticking the boxes of what we know about which may not be complete. So uh,
1: also in our foods, um, you know, as well as the vitamins, the minerals and all of the nutrients that we know about that, we've also got like antioxidants. So vitamin C is an antioxidant, but there's other antioxidants in our foods like resveratrol and that's um, really good for anti-ageing. Um, and keeping, you know, keeping our antioxidants keep our bodies nice and strong, and our immune systems and our defence mechanisms nice and strong. They eat up all of the the bad, um, like oxidants, like the disease-causing mm. bits and pieces in the body. So that's again, you know, if we're eating antioxidant-rich foods like our berries, uh, and I always think of antioxidants in our colourful foods. Yeah. So we're eating lots of nice colorful foods then that's going to also keep our bodies nice and strong but again like we said the research is quite new on a lot of these um nutrients in the food so we can't always open a textbook and say right we need to eat this 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 and this to to get what we need in our diet at the moment we just need to be eating that wide variety and eating a rainbow of foods and eating a variety of foods so that we're kind of covering all of our bases, mm. um, and when it comes to you know anti-aging as well, I think for a lot of people they do want to age well, mm. uh, and maybe they don't think about it until they're in their late forties, fifties, and you know we do need to start thinking about it now. But sometimes when, like for me being in my thirties, it seems too far away to be thinking about. <laughs> um, But if we are, you know, trying to get a wide variety of those foods now or, you know, start thinking about it when we're in our 40s or our 50s, it's going to help us age better. It's going to slow the breakdown of our organs and our um, bones and um, Mm.
0: cartilage so that we we stay healthy going forward. And and those antioxidants, they work by helping with the telomeres as well, which is that bit at the end of our DNA strands. Yeah. So stops them from um, shortening.
1: Yeah, and I what was I watching?
0: That's and I know this is a bit off, off topic, but I was watching a
1: um, documentary the other night about the telomeres, and even meditation can make them grow. Wow!
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> so another anti-aging uh,
0: thing to do. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, not just stop them from decreasing, but actually grow them back again.
0: Yeah. And along the lines of those extra chemicals that we get from foods as well as the spices and herbs that we include in our cooking for flavoring actually impart a lot of health benefits as well. For instance, turmeric. have a lot of information about turmeric being really beneficial for us as an antioxidant as an anti-inflammatory anti-aging all sorts of things but it's it's something that we've been using for ages as, as just a flavoring agent and a coloring agent not really knowing how good it actually was for us um, so that has a chemical that we've identified in there and so now everyone's talking about it but if we just eat lots of spices generally, there's still going to be so much that we just don't know about. Yeah. For instance, so there's right, turmeric is great for um, reducing inflammation, and then fenugreek is great for promoting breast milk but it's also great for blood sugar level control as well and then cinnamon is really good for blood sugar level control and then you've got your um, like fresh herbs as well so oregano is an antimicrobial so it helps to keep your good bacteria in check and then you've got things like garlic which has amazing benefits for gut flora so it's not just foods it's it's also about the spices and herbs that go along with it. Saffron, saffron. Yeah. Getting a lot of research at the moment. Yeah, as an antidepressant, um, great for men's um, health as well. Yeah. Yeah, ginger. Mm (laughs) Mhm. Of course, how could I forget ginger? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: and that you know it's uh, going back to um, traditional eating. You know, if we look around the world and their traditional eating, that's um, you know a lot of the wisdom comes from that. So you know, if we look at Indian diets with the turmeric. and I think, you know, maybe some of the research comes from looking at these traditional diets and thinking, well, why doesn't this culture have this disease? And why doesn't this culture have this disease? And then yeah. looking at what they eat and going deeper into that and figuring out what it is that's that's causing this phenomenon.
0: Mm. Weston A Price did quite a lot of that. Sort of research as well, and, and he found that these cultures would they eat quite a wide variety of foods. But the main sort of philosophy was that they were eating nutrient dense foods, so foods that had a lot of um, fat soluble vitamins in them or minerals in them, and that sort, that sort of thing. And they would prize those cuts um, of meat that had the most vitamins and minerals and, and other nutrients in there over the lesser cuts of meat. Mm. which we actually in, in this society view as being the optimal ones, like chicken breast, for instance. <laughs> yeah, doesn't have as much in it as the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And similarly, the, um, like the different diets in the cultures as well. For instance, like you've got um, some countries that have a low-carb diet and some countries that have a high-fat diet, and that doesn't seem to really make much of a difference. The main thing that is a good indicator of health is if they're eating whole foods. Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean look at the Eskimos eating all the blubber, mm. <laughs>
0: like
1: eating all that fat and they're not, you know, they're not getting a lot of the diseases that we get.
0: Yeah, exactly. So while you can get a lot of nutrients in your foods that are considered to be helpful, um, a lot of them are derived from the plant's own defence mechanism. So for instance, when you, when you, when you think about... Um, eating animals so they've got their own defense mechanism they can fight you they can run away from you that sort of thing whereas plants have a chemical defense mechanism and so usually that's in the reproductive part of the plant and it's designed to actually stop us from digesting it completely so that we can then pass it through and then that plant can then grow again and If we prepare the food properly, then we can actually get those chemicals to work for us. But if we're not preparing the food properly, then as a result, we can actually get an irritated gut, we can get a reduced absorption of nutrients, and we can get a lot of digestive symptoms along the lines of bloating. So that's why they say that beans are the magical fruit. (laughs) Um, And it's it's because they have all these... um, types of sugars and and chemicals in there that actually stop our digestive system from processing it properly. So um, the beans, lentils, grains, all that sort of thing, if we prepare it well, then it's actually really good for us.
1: What are your thoughts um, on the paleo diet
0: saying no leggings? Well, I think that they... um, It comes down to what I was just saying about how they've got these anti-nutrients in there. And I think that for most people, they don't have the time to prepare these, these grains and legumes and things properly. So it's just easier to have that blanket statement of not having it. Whereas I think that if we can just educate people that it's okay to have, they're actually really good for you, but you have to soak them overnight and then cook them for that correct amount of time then that, then that's okay. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that, like, I, I have nothing against the paleo diet. I actually um, advocate principles along those lines to a lot of my patients. But I, I think that it's one of those things that gets attacked really readily because um, there's so many different statements that get made in the name of paleo that are not really... Um, um, accurate anymore. For mm-hmm. instance, like the whole we should be eating what our ancestors ate or we, w- we wouldn't eat that coconut milk because our ancestors didn't have that coconut milk and it's like, well, that's not the point. It's yeah. it's the main philosophy I think is eating the whole food. So I think if, um, yeah, usually I do say eat similar to the paleo diet, but you can have your beans and lentils.
1: Yeah. So yeah, it's good as a guideline for people who don't know how to eat real food. So if they're eating a lot of processed foods and they want to healthify their diet, I reckon the paleo diet is great because there's a lot of information mm. and you know there's programs that you can do week by week, stepping you through how to follow a paleo diet and then maybe once you've got that in place, you can start introducing things like the legumes and start playing around with it. But yeah, for, I mean, for someone like me and for someone like you who has the knowledge and the education, we don't need something like that because we know how to eat yeah. well, but for people who don't know how to eat well and they want someone to hold their hand while they get on the health journey, then I think it's awesome.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it is difficult because there's so much variety in paleo diets out there, but, mm, but I think that if you p- generally yeah. if you pick up a paleo cookbook, that's going to be a pretty healthy recipe book. Yeah, and delicious, hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) One of the other things that we talk about a lot is it's not just about um, what you eat, but it's how you eat. So this is where we get into talking about mindfulness and mindful eating. So that's along the lines of chewing your food really well and not eating while you're stressed because if you're eating while you're stressed, then your sympathetic nervous system is going to be on, so your digestive system isn't going to be working and then um, you don't get the benefits from your food. And, in fact, you can actually find that you're more likely to develop food intolerances if you eat while you're stressed
1: as Yeah. Well and sitting down to, you know, sitting down to eat properly, sitting down to the dinner table. If you're a family with kids, I think it's really important to sit to the dinner table and all, if possible, all eat together, eat your meal together. This is how we're going to teach our children to eat mindfully, eat properly. And, you know, I think there's more of a chance of them Eating a variety of foods if they're sitting down with mum and dad, and mum and dad are eating, or just mum or mums or dads, and they're all eating together, and they're seeing what their parents are eating, uh, and they're eating the same. If yeah, I, I don't, and I know it's not always possible, but I don't like the idea of the kids sitting at a mini table on their own, or the kids eating separately from mum and dad, because there's just no role model there and no example there of what to eat.
0: Mm. I know it's a hard situation, but I think that like at massive dinner parties, little mini kids' tables oh, maybe yeah. is okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but at home, yeah up, yeah, up at the table with you and eating what you're eating because they will eventually be a reflection of yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, if you get started early. And, and also um, the more variety of foods that you eat while you're breastfeeding, um, if you can breastfeed, then that's going to actually help to encourage a variety of um, taste in the, in the child as well because they're not, they're going to get a variety of flavours through the breast milk whereas people, um, children and infants who are fed formula are more likely to be fussy eaters because they've been fed that exact same mm. formula um, flavour every single day. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting off track now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and with the mindful eating as well, you know, mindful eating but mindful meal preparation too, mm, yeah. so like going with that 80-20 rule, like filling your plate with the good foods, the, the nutrient rich foods, a wide variety of foods and eat that first and if there is, you know, Chips. say you're out for dinner and there's chips on the side, eat the veggies and eat the, the really good foods first and then if you still want a few chippies, then you can, you can have them but don't eat the chips first and then try and eat your veggies and try and eat
0: yep. everything else. And, and so when you're eating at the dinner table as well, so, um, then you're more likely to concentrate on your food and you are less likely to binge eat afterwards. So they did the study and they found that people who were eating in front of the TV were less able to recall their last meal and the more you are able to recall your last meal, the fuller you feel. So the less likely you are to then mindlessly snack eat. Yeah,
1: awesome.
0: So That's- yeah, concentrate on your food, don't eat while you're stressed and pre- prepare your meals, plan your meals out in advance. Mm, plan, mm. Meal planning is so
1: such a help. If you, you know, if you can sit down on a Sunday and plan out your meals for the week and then get that food in, once it's in your fridge and in your pantry, you're more likely to cook those meals. Whereas if you get home from work on a Wednesday night and you're like, oh, what are we going to have for dinner? That's when, you know, the pasta and pesto comes out and you're quickly doing something because you're hungry and you don't want to be thinking about what you're going to cook.
0: Yep, exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I think a good challenge to try and get the variety in is – when you're at next at the supermarket or wherever you buy your veggies just buy a veggie that you either haven't had for a long time or that you've never tried yeah and
0: figure out how you're going to cook it and give it a go yeah google is such a help for that or um, try a new recipe each week yeah and then i think it takes three times to um, get used to eating a new food um, so one is to sort of um, just basically experiment and two is to iron out the kinks and then three is to figure out if you actually like it (laughs) yeah Yeah. so just because you didn't like it that first time you tried it keep going
1: yeah and even if you didn't like it when you were a kid you know they say our tastes change every seven years so try something again i used to hate mango and now i don't understand how i ever hated mango i love mango so your, your tastes do change so it's worth giving things a try again
0: i used to hate peas and now I'm, yeah, I'm okay with peas. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that I love it, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm still trying way. to
1: love mushrooms. I don't know when that's going to happen.
0: Oh, I love mushrooms. Garlic I mushrooms.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, they have to be chopped small for me because I just, you know, haven't got there yet. Mm. So much of it is the texture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like mushrooms, if they're they're cut big, it's just, for me, it's like eating a slug. But if they're chopped up nice and small (laughs) and on top of the steak,
0: then they're fine. (laughs) Mushrooms are another great example of foods that have got all those extra active um, nutrients in them. For instance, like you've got reishi mushrooms and shiitake mushrooms that are used therapeutically for like a lot of conditions. And um, they've got reputed (laughs) anti cancer properties. Out went my earphones. <laughs> and so that's something that people have been eating traditionally but not knowing specifically why it was good for them and that sort of thing. So, again, if you have a big variety of food and try new things, then you know, you never know, you might be getting in some extra nutrients that are going to be helpful for you. <laughs> One of the things that we talk about sometimes with people who come to see us um, is specific foods for specific conditions. And this is based on some of these um, information that we have been able to learn from foods about nutrients that are helpful for specific conditions. But the other thing is that um, certain... Principles like Chinese medicine principles and ayurvedic medicine principles also talk about the healing properties of foods from like a cooling or a warming perspective or a drying or a dampening perspective and So that's something that a naturopath and nutritionist depending on who you see can also guide you through as well so having um, a diet based around that, like so, you know what your individual constitution is and what those foods work for you as well. So, for instance, if you have a lot of damp, then um, from a Chinese medicine perspective, then you would want to be having foods that clear damp. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly, eating for the seasons as a general principle is going to be helpful for you as well. Not only for um, helpful for the environment. Mm-hmm. but also helpful because then you you are automatically getting those nutrients that you need to help you through that time of year.
1: Yeah, and I think of it as, you know, very simply, you can get lists of what to eat in spring, what to eat in summer, what to eat in winter, blah blah blah, but if you think about it simply, Think of your spring, you know, warm your warm time foods as shoots and the new life, and then your winter foods as the warming. You know, I think in winter, um, roasted veggies. And, yeah, root veggies. yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Don't you know? I find it very hard to eat salads in winter, um, and it's just not the right foods because it's not the warming, grounding foods. So the you know the nice baked veggies, yum.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And I find if you just go into a fruit and veg shop and you just buy what's there, what's the, what's grown locally, what's in season, then you're doing it automatically. You don't have to like stress about it. Yeah, and it's it's going with the flow. Whereas yeah. if you're stuck in a diet mindset of I'm having chicken and broccoli every every lunch, then that's very difficult to do that.
1: Yeah, and you might be having eating broccoli that's been frozen for a
0: long time. Exactly full storage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, one of the things that I think as well we can talk about is short term diets. For instance, if people come and see me for um, weight loss, and my main sort of um, approach is to educate them about nutrition and to work on a whole food diet, and in that regard, weight loss will happen gradually, um, and also to promote. Um, health by addressing hormonal imbalances and nutritional deficiencies and that sort of thing. So then your body works out its own weight. But if they say, I've got a wedding in six weeks, I want to drop 10 kilos, I'd say, well, we probably can't do 10 kilos, but how about we do a a ketogenic diet because that has got evidence behind it and being an effective weight loss tool. And then afterwards we can work on your general health as well. So definitely some diets, while they might not be sustainable, They can be helpful for achieving goals. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah,
1: you're right. It's then the education leading on from that, not just, Mm. okay, you've lost your weight, off you go. It's then how (laughs) do we, yeah, yeah, how do we then help you to keep that off by eating a good diet, not going back to eating the diet that made you gain that weight in the first place. Exactly. Uh, So the other thing that I think is important for um, our watchers and listeners to know is that sometimes uh, we touched on it before with marketing. Just because something says it's healthy doesn't mean that it is healthy or doesn't mean that it is the best option. And something that people get fooled by a lot is the low fat fad. Uh, so they go into their supermarket and they see low-fat milk, low-fat yogurts, low-fat cheese, low-fat everywhere, and they think that they're doing well by choosing this option. And unfortunately, that's not always the case. Uh, So very often with the low-fat products, the fat has been taken out and then sugar has been put back in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so then often because it's not as satisfying when the fat's been removed, we eat more of it. And then sugar, because we're not burning it off in our day-to-day activities often, then we will store that and we'll put on weight. So a lot of the time when people buy low fat, they're buying it because they want to lose weight and they think it's helpful for them to lose weight and it's not. Um, And then if we're going back to the whole foods and eating food as close to its natural source as possible, when you buy your low fat and the fat's been taken out, then that's not as close to its natural source. So if we just buy milk, and we just buy cheese, then we're we're eating it closer to its natural source than if we're buying the low-fat milk and cheese. So I'm very, and, and and again, it's marketing. And, you know, these marketing people are awesome at their jobs. They're doing a brilliant, brilliant job at what they do, but doesn't mean we have to believe it and buy into it.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: Um, and one more thing is, you know, it's all to do with diet, water. And I get very boring in clinic when I talk about water, but it's for so many people, it could be the one thing that would make, they don't Mm. need to take medicines. They could just drink water and their health would be so much better. Hydration is so important. Yeah. And it's so underrated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, So please drink water, you know, um, start your day with some water and lemon juice or water and apple cider vinegar to get your metabolism going and then mindfully, you know, drink water throughout the day. If you're having a cup of coffee, have a glass of water first. Um, Just really, really try and get your water in there because it makes a Mm. huge difference. It makes you look younger, uh, makes your brain work better, keeps you um, fuller, you know, sometimes when we think we're hungry, it's because we're thirsty. So if you're making sure you drink lots of water, then you might eat less. Uh,
0: keep your bowels working well yep, yep. keep your joints mobile yeah yeah and it reduces blood pressure because if you're less hydrated then your heart has to work harder to pump the blood through yeah So that's the take-home message <laughs> awesome. Yes. <laughs> awesome All right, well I think that's pretty much everything that we wanted to cover today for what a naturopath's philosophy on diet is and If you do want to get a bit more information about what might work for you as an individual, then maybe see a healthcare practitioner who can guide you a little bit further. So uh, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, Laura, how can they do that?
1: Uh, Through my website. So it's www.certainhealth.com.au. That's probably the easiest way. And then there's links to all of my social media, Facebook, Instagram,
0: uh, and uh, email phone number all on my website. Awesome. And I'm on naturopathnsw.com.au. So thanks everyone so much for listening. And if you enjoyed what you listened to or you watched today, then please subscribe and leave a review. And I hope to see you next time. (laughs) So thanks everyone. Bye.